some of the most articulate, well-spoken people that can just talk endlessly and roll off all this content off the top of their tongue. Boy, they can sell uh, sand to the Middle East. I mean, they don't know anything more than anybody else. Hey everybody, welcome to Props and Hops, a betting and beer podcast powered by Dimers.com and part of Blue Wire Hustle. I'm Matt Landis, and in this episode, it's my conversation with professional better Las Vegas Chris. We explore Chris's background in betting, as well as the importance of information gathering and processing the highs and lows we'll all experience over time in betting, and from there, it's a deep dive on mental health and the power of habit, to borrow the title from a best-selling book, Chris was refreshingly candid in our conversation, and I think that might make it a new leader in the clubhouse for the best discussion yet on props and hops. As a quick heads up, this is a follow-up to the conversation I released last Friday with Chris and NFL handicapper Scott Kellen, which brought together the whole gang from the new BetUS NFL show we're doing together. You can find the conversation with all three of us in the podcast feed, and if you're listening on the day of this episode's release on Tuesday, August 24th, you can also find our AFC North preview later today on the BetUS NFL show. You'll be able to find it via the YouTube and podcast links in the show notes. One quick housekeeping note before we cut to my conversation with Chris. For free picks driven by analytics and thousands of simulations, check out the Cutting Edge Quick pick section over at Dimers.com. You can find a link to that in the show notes to see where you want to get down on the Dimers Bot's biggest edges across all the biggest sports. And now, enjoy my conversation with professional better and my new partner in crime, Las Vegas Chris. All right, I'm here one-on-one with Las Vegas Chris. And Chris, we talked about the process and your current approach to betting the NFL when it was the three of us, you, myself, and Scott. I'd love to take a moment right off the top here to learn more about your background as a better. So could you tell us a little bit more about your journey in betting to this point? Well, I, I started just like anybody else did, uh, you know, placing, you know, college bets and, uh, for chump change and um, going to the school of hard knocks. Uh, I started my own businesses and kind of dabbled over the years. And uh, when I, I ended up uh, closing those businesses and moving out to Las Vegas to play poker and bet sports, and I really wasn't doing well uh, at either. Uh, but I ran into uh, some people that influenced me and I ended up partnering uh, with my partner, Frank, for a long time. Uh, and he wasn't much of a better like I was. I, I just did everything wrong. And, and he taught me uh, how to bet differently. And quite honestly, it, it, it made my brain hurt. I mean, it almost made my brain hurt to think completely opposite the way I was, a, I was betting for decades. Uh, understanding how you can profit by selling back points and having free positions and middling and scalping and advantage play. And I didn't grasp it immediately. And I didn't grasp the value of, of everything immediately. And it took a, it took 
time for me to figure it out. I mean, it really was difficult to think so differently. And, and I don't know whether people coming across can understand or not, but, uh, you know, there's such a spread of information now, you know, coming at everybody. Maybe it comes easier. But back in the day, uh, it wasn't that easy to, to uh, change from trying to be the smartest guy in the room to just buying numbers. Uh, so that was a big shift. And that's what I did for uh, a long time. But uh, the law of diminishing returns set in and it just became harder and harder. You kept losing accounts and uh, um, the, the value was you had to work a lot harder to make less. And uh, the older you get, you get a little lazy and, and uh, uh, unhappy with that. So uh, I had to transition to actually back into betting again, but doing it in a smarter way. So uh, I focused on college and NFL and uh, uh, I've had some very, very good NFL results and I've had off and on NCAA football results. And um, that's what's kind of put me here today is just a lot of trial and error and uh, just always trying to learn a little bit and trying to network and, and learn from other people, which is what I would recommend everybody uh, do is just absorb information and that's, that's how I am here today. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot to unpack there and, and something I'd like to get into to you know delve deeper into some of the points you touched on would be to really follow up on the process that you outlined in, in what I think was a phenomenal appearance on a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VEASAN. It was last Friday, August 13th, as we record this. And I'd recommend anybody go back and check out that appearance. The goal here is to advance rather than repeat too much of that conversation. But what stood out to me from hearing that and also working with you so far is how you really have learned to think about things differently and, and your unique thought process. It seems really sharp, but at the same time, you know, just really humble and different from the way a lot of people approach things. And one of the first things you mentioned with Gil that I'll dig into with a follow-up question shortly would be uh, trying to stay alert and be wary of confirmation bias. You play very few futures. You don't play fantasy football. Apologies to a recent Props and Hop guest, fantasy expert Christopher Harris. Uh, but the aim is to not allow preseason bets that you make to cloud your decision-making when it comes to in-season bets, if I'm understanding correctly. And my thought there would be that that approach is admirable and has plenty of merit. Um, I do wonder if there might be a different solution for some people, and that would be compartmentalizing so that we don't have to give up on future bets or fantasy. And, and I know that your approach is that there's no one way to do things. There's, you know, a million different ways to, you know, get to a good result. And the way I see it sometimes is that if there's value going over on a team betting its regular season win total during the off season, and then once we're in the season, you have value betting against them. I don't see any issue with doing both, but I get that it can be emotionally challenging. If you've got a team over, then you're betting on them to lose a game later. That can feel very conflicting. But at the same time, the overall goal is pretty simple in my eyes, and that's just to improve your portfolio with each new decision. So certainly if you don't trust yourself to be objective or if that's mental gymnastics for you, it probably is good to steer clear of things like futures. But if you can compartmentalize, it's still highly endorsed, you know, staying humble, stay alert of different biases that can creep in but maybe don't dismiss the value of futures and, and opportunities to make some money and have some fun in fantasy football purely out of principle. Does that sound like a fair way to look at it? Or how do you see that whole spectrum of avoiding it altogether to stay away from confirmation bias versus 
trying to compartmentalize and, and maybe get the best of both worlds, knowing that that can be threading the needle at times. Well, that's a handful there. <laughs> uh, well, first and foremost, it's going to be different for everybody because, as you said, it, it you know compartmentalizing is the key. But a lot, if people are honest with the person that it's hardest to be honest with in the world, and, and that's yourself, it's not always it's easier said than done to be able to do that. So you have to be honest with yourself on what you're realistically able to to do. Uh, you know, I was going to bet a St. Louis Cardinals uh, game this past week, and I've got a future on under. And it's, it's it, I can't even believe that it pops into my head. You know, well, I don't want to bet against what I need. It, it, it's just so dumb. I mean, I, why do I want to be thinking about that? It's just, it just, just a distraction. It didn't change whether I bet the game or not, but it's just a variable that is not needed uh, as far as I'm concerned. I, where I really, I, I think there's great value to be found in futures and uh, that type of stuff in, in, in small doses and in, in, in select situations. I'm not going out actively trying to involve myself in those markets because I don't need the distractions. And I, and, 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 and gee, do you, do you really want to be holding a New York Saints over now? And, uh, you know, there were times, you know, some of these other teams, are, you know, in Indianapolis over. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. So it's hard enough to beat the NFL on one day's notice, let alone weeks and weeks notice. There's just too much stuff that can happen. So what I'm trying to do is just focus and narrow the focus as much as possible. Yeah, I'd love to play this preseason, and there is lots of value to be found in preseason, but then there, I have to sacrifice what I'm preparing for the full season. So one thing I learned from having a miserable summer is trying to do too much at once. So I'm, applying, I'm, I'm following my own advice and compartmentalizing my effort. Uh, so, boy, if I miss some preseason games, I miss some preseason games. I want to make sure the regular season's, in, you know, going to happen. Uh, but specifically also about not being predispositioned is each week, you know, when the lines come out, I really don't want to – favor a team. I want to gather as much information as possible. And we all instinctively look at these lines and have an opinion and it's hard not to have an opinion, but I don't want to have that opinion and want to bet certain teams because then I'm subconsciously going to be grabbing information that supports my predisposition. And you don't realize it's happening, but it happens. And uh, that's what I want to avoid as much as possible. It's just try to be vacuous on, a, on what I'm going to bet as long as possible. Yeah. And I'd love to follow up on what you mentioned about gathering information. It seems like you're an information junkie. And I mean that as high praise when it comes to really being willing to listen to everything good or bad. That reminds me of a conversation I had not too long ago when I brought the sports cheetah Preston Johnson on this show. He seems like, you know, he was a real information savant as well. And I think that level of open-mindedness can be a big time competitive advantage and at the same time, it can be a challenge to isolate the signal from the noise when there's so much information coming in all the time. An example you mentioned with Gil would be that in the sports betting media, conviction doesn't equal accuracy. And I totally agree with that. So when it comes to how you process information, what do you look for to determine what's useful and what you can filter out? You know, I don't know exactly, because the one thing I do know is some of the most articulate, well-spoken, 
people that can just, you know, talk endlessly and roll off all this content off the top of their tongue, uh, just out of their head. You know, boy, they can sell uh, sand to, uh, you know, uh, the Middle East. I mean, you know, they don't know anything more than anybody else as far as what's going to happen. They have a lot of information uh, and they may be media savvy and they may be entertaining and stuff, but they don't know anything more than anybody else does. And you can go uh, to every aspect of this industry and find the same thing. Uh, you know, it, it, NFL is a very efficient market and not a lot of people beat it on a regular basis. And uh, uh, there's a lot of people that won't bet it at all. So uh, the, I, I don't have a simple answer on how I filter it out because I like to listen to them all. And I, I'm not, uh, I'm, I, I'm not anti any group. I like, I, I feel like, you know, the, the, the less informed or less evolved podcasts and information sources have something to learn. Uh, perspective is probably what I'm searching for. Uh, the, I, I don't, I don't care about anybody's picks. Uh, you know, nobody's going to talk me into anything. I just want to kind of get a feel. I want to, you know, want to read the room. I want to uh, basically see how people are reasoning things out uh, and, and just kind of file it away against, uh, you know, back and forth. It's, it's hard to explain. Just try to absorb as much as you can and, and, and don't let your thinking gravitate to wanting to absorb one side more than the other. That's the best thing I can say. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And, and this might be oversimplifying it a bit, but when it comes to trying to distill, you know, what can help distinguish the signal from the noise, are there any Twitter follows or podcasts that you would specifically recommend knowing that you like to listen to everything? Are there, you know, maybe certain people on Twitter or certain podcasts when they release, like that's what you want to gravitate toward right away. Have you found yourself gravitating in those directions? Or do you kind of just try not to let yourself get that way because you don't want to get married to any one source of information? I, you know, it's a difficult question to answer because I try, I hit as many as possible. I'm, if I'm, if in fact, I'm searching and seeking out new ones. So uh, steering people towards the ones that are easy to find uh, may not be the best thing because it, it, can, it, it, it contradicts what I'm saying about go as wide as possible. Uh, what I get excited about is when I see something scroll across, across on Twitter, you know, like when props and hops first came across. Oh, okay, that'd be good. And then I'm listening and it's good. I'm like, fantastic. That is a really great feeling is when you can find a new source of information uh, uh, that you had, you're not aware of. So the listening to the same stuff over and over and over again, you realize that some of these people are kind of entrenched into certain philosophies or different attitudes or certain attitudes. And they, there starts to become a certain redundancy in what you're going to hear from week to week, if that makes any sense. Uh, so trying to keep things as fresh as possible by going to the widest variety of sources, I think, is the best thing that I can recommend. The, you know, the best, the best podcasts out there are, are well known. It's, uh, you know, find the diamonds in the rough. From, and, and there is nothing that I listen to every single week. I, I just sometimes it's just timing. Sometimes I got to skip this. Uh, uh, 
sometimes it's hit or miss, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another thing that's hit or miss that you mentioned most betters can get wrong week to week, diving into the mechanics of betting strategy. You mentioned on a numbers game that it can be silly not to wait until the last minute. And I, I understand the value in many cases of getting as much information as possible before taking a position. And I, I think that that makes all the sense in the world for contests like you and I discussed with Scott when all three of us were together. Beyond that, I do have three things I'd like to briefly touch on that, that might push back or, or you can, you know, reshape my perspective. I'm very open-minded to learning from you as well. But when, when I hear somebody say it's silly not to wait as long as possible or, you know, don't wait, um, waiting until the last minute is the way to go. One of my first thoughts is that a lot of bettors wait too long. If we look at the percent of NFL handle that comes in on Sundays, it's huge. And when I was talking with Scott one-on-one, -on -one, he mentioned that some bookmakers consider the Saturday night closing line to be the real closing line since all the sharps have bet by then. So understanding that the market's constantly evolving and a lot of people do bet early, could you clarify what you mean by it being silly not to wait until the last minute? Well, for contests, that's a specific strategy is you, you, you put in your picks when you, you know, have to, you don't put them mm -hmm. in before uh, that's contest 101, but in betting, boy, you know, it's like watching the paint dry sometimes, you know, looking at the line screen all week long, looking for blips. Uh, so, you know, there's certain times when, it's very smart. Hey, got to get in there Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, and you're getting in early on some games. And then you get these games where you just know you're going to have to babysit them all week long. And it gets to the point where you just say, screw it. I'm betting it. I can't stand it anymore. I'm never going to see this number. And then as you touched base uh, on, sometimes you wait too long and you lost your stupid line just trying to get greedy. And then you're punishing yourself for being greedy. So there's that whole psychological game that you play with yourself there. As far as there not being any value on Sundays, uh, for me, for my, for the model that I use, uh, hey, if I haven't bet it yet, then then there's a reason I haven't bet it yet, and and I can bet on Sundays. And sometimes uh, I'm betting more on Sundays than on Mondays and Tuesdays, and sometimes I have no bets on Sundays. So uh, I. But that's me, and, and, and I, I've got something that's working well, and I've got a, a model that, that shows me I'm doing the smart thing. So, uh, But, yeah, traditionally I would recommend that people try to get in earlier than uh, Sunday because a lot of that uh, value has been sucked out of the market, but not always. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. I can skip over the last two thoughts I had then because it sounds like, obviously, for contests, you know, submit your picks when you have to and, and not – a moment before, but yeah, sometimes you do want to bet early because once those numbers are gone, they can be gone for good. So I know that can be a little bit more of an art than a science. You know, I'm sorry for interrupting, but also with, with this COVID stuff, the, the whole game's changed. I mean, we had Sunday morning problems last year. Uh, we have all kinds of lineup problems. Uh, uh, you know, I remember stuff happening after the 3 p.m. deadline on uh, Circa last year. So stuff is happening on Saturdays and Sunday mornings. Uh, and if you're betting money that matters to you, well, you want all your ducks in a row. So, you know, I, it, it's not the same as it was two years ago 
to be waiting longer. It, that's why I think it's not as bad as it used to be to wait and wait, because I think most a lot of people are. Yeah, and I think that um, I, I hear you on that. And I also, I try to stay as objective as possible and realize that while variance drives a lot of the desire to wait to gather information, when things are unknowable, they are often just as likely to work for us as against us. And something else I touched on with Scott, but I think it's pertinent here. I think of two of the books that I've read that have changed my way of thinking the most would be Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman and Thinking in Bets by former pro poker player Annie Duke. And, and one of the common threads, I think Annie Duke might have been referencing Kahneman, would be that when we experience two events, uh, one positive, one negative, of equal magnitude, it's human nature to feel double the pain from the negative variance relative to the pleasure from the positive variance. And I think that two-to-one ratio is really important to be mindful of when it comes to mental health and just having the right approach to withstand the grind that we will inevitably experience in the long run. And of course, accept variance up front. There's, there's so much beyond our control in all of this. But at the same time, even though that two-to-one ratio is in play from that mental health standpoint, it's still just a one-to-one ratio with our bankroll. Maybe one week, the team that we bet on has a quarterback that gets hurt or tests positive. And, and maybe another week, the team that we bet against has the same thing happen. So how does that, you know, trying to steer clear of variance on one hand, but also try to understand that it could work for you or it could work against you, you know, sometimes you just, you do want to get down when the number seems good. How does that equation work for you right now? As you mentioned, these last couple of years, it's kind of a different equation than it had been prior to COVID. Well, I, I don't know about how your betting works, but uh, trust me, all those things work against me. If you remember last week, I was jumping up and down and I told you, hey, something went my way. I made a mistake. It went my way. <laughs> so it always works against you and all those bad uh, circumstances seem to go against you. But I believe, and I don't think I'm on my own island as much anymore, uh, but I believe mental, the mental aspects of betting are, are severely uh, underappreciated. Uh, uh, I, I don't think people are aware of how much it affects them and, and the domino effect uh, within their lives. And just the whole betting process is so layered in so many ways. And as you, as you mentioned, you have to be prepared to deal with the variance. One of the reasons why I don't like to watch the games in public, I don't want to watch the games in public if everybody is on my team. I, I, I just, when I'm betting, I, I you know, I'm just betting. It, it's a, it's a job. Uh, and I don't jump up. I rarely jump up and down and get all excited when something good happens on my team. Uh, and uh, I don't let the, the bad losses, you know, really ruin my life either. So it's going to happen both ways. You have to think about it logically and be prepared for it. You're going to, you're going to have winning streaks. You're going to have losing streaks. And uh, you, if you're not prepared ahead of time, and you have to deal with the surprises and, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. Of course it's going to happen. You're gonna, everything that can go wrong is going to go wrong. Everything that can go right is going to go right when you least expect it. Uh, so preparing yourself for the highs and the lows, making sure that your finances – like I can't imagine uh, – I, I was listening to uh, 
I think Rufus was talking or in, in somebody else uh, was also talking about mental health aspects and they're talking about, um, you know, all the effort that's involved in doing models and keeping up with lines and knowing when to bet and injuries and uh, uh, COVID and, you know, another 10 things. And, 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 and so on this mental health discussion, which I'm agreeing with hundred percent, I, I realize that somebody that doesn't understand how much work is involved to do this professionally probably thinks we're like mental tampons or something. You know, like, do they get it that this is real? Like these guys, you know, we aren't whiners. There's a lot of stress involved and there's a lot of uh, ups and downs that you have to manage properly. And then I realized one other thing. They never talked about money. And I never think I don't bet with I don't think about money. So if if you if money was part of the equation, I can't even imagine how anybody can deal with this. If you're if you're playing with money that you can't afford, I mean it, it's absolutely a non-thought, and it's this stressful. It's I, I don't care when the weeks end. I don't bet a Sunday game to get out because I I don't want the the build. I don't want to worry about where the the money fell, falls or anything like that. You know, geez, I can't imagine the problems you're going to have trying to win in this industry if you're thinking about. Uh, whether you can afford to bet or your tab's getting too high. If, if that's the case, you're over betting. It has to be a non-thought. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And I believe the conversation you were referencing would have been a recent appearance Rufus made on the Circles Off podcast with Rob Pizzola and Johnny from Betstamp. They talked a lot about mental health there. I had Rob on earlier this offseason, and, and he had a lot of good stuff to say about it. But to your point, yeah, the financial side doesn't enter the equation a lot. And that also reminds me of another conversation I've been fortunate to have with somebody who's prominent in the space. The whale capper, Drew Dinsick, I think is the one who made the point that he's had times where, you know, he might have a, a five figure bet that he hasn't told people about. And then he's gone on record with a smaller bet. And if those are going on simultaneously, he's rooting in the one that he's kind of staked his reputation on much more than the one that has a lot more money at stake. So it's such an interesting dynamic and money, the whole, you know, every bet we make, it's an exchange of money. We're either making some or losing some, but at the same time, there's an entire can of worms beyond that. So I really like the focus on mental health. And I think that there are two systems that can help us kind of fortify our mental health in the long run that you briefly touched on with Gil. And that to me would be the support system and a good habit system. And I'd like to start with a support system because of course this can be a grind. You've touched on a lot of reasons why. And I think just having the right people around us and leaning on loved ones can help us both directly and indirectly, whether or not they know anything about betting, whether or not they even care about betting. I, I can say for sure that I wouldn't be here having this conversation with you without my wife's incredible support. So I'm, I'm curious as to, you know, what you have to say about your own support system and if there's any role that your wife plays, whether it's betting specifically or just indirectly still helping you get through this with an even keel. Uh, oh, yeah. It, she helps me out quite a bit. Uh, when we were doing a lot of middling and scalping, we had her out at the casinos and uh, she was like a little mini celebrity because she's a tiny little Asian woman and she's uh, very happy and uh, very friendly. Uh, you know, so the opposite of me. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> So she was making a lot of friends out there and she helps me out with some of my paperwork. Uh, she helps uh, compile some of my NFL data each week. And uh, I'm going through my records over the last six years and helping me with that. And uh, she obviously knows uh, 
how much work is involved in what I have to do. I, I you know, I, I've got some associates that, you know, they, I, they have to do certain things for family and for their wives and, and other responsibilities. And to me, I, I you know, I'm so invested I just can't relate. I mean, boy, would that be stressful if if, if somebody was telling me I, I got to go pick up the kids? You, you know, I don't have time. I, I, you know, it's like, yeah, I'd love to. I, I, want, I actually want to, but I don't have time. I mean, it's like, uh, so I, I lost my train of thought on where where the where where was your question from the beginning? Oh, sure. Just how your support system works. You know, from your own experience, getting through this and trying to use that to maximize your mental health. I think it's 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 crucial to network, and and I think of uh, Spanky's interview of Roxy Roxborough. Uh, he his final question was, "What was the one thing that uh, you would recommend somebody do?" And it, you know, I I agree hundred percent. Is network, network, network. Uh, make friends and share information and uh, uh, just reach out and and and. Try to meet people and try, you know, try to help other people and, and be open to other people helping you because somebody had whatever somebody's doing now had to be taught what they're doing from somebody else in a pay it forward type of capacity. And I'm thankful for people that have taught me certain things and I built on those and I pay forward a lot of, you know, advice and uh, stuff I've learned and, and I get a lot of satisfaction from sharing. So, but the key is networking because you can't do it all yourself even if you're just focusing on one sport you can't keep you can't keep up with the nfl yeah i think that's a great way to put it and one of the benefits of networking is that uh yes just you know mentally the the social aspect of of interacting with other people can do a lot but tying in the second system the habit system you can learn from what they're doing and, and implement some things to optimize the way that you approach things for yourself so i would love it if you could speak to the importance of having a good habit system in place and, and maybe any best practices that you've taken up over the years that have moved the needle in a positive direction for yourself. I was extremely influenced by a, uh, an audio book uh, on habits and it was just fascinating. Uh, around 40% of what we do every day is a habit. I mean, when you really think about it, it just sounds like an absurd figure, but when you really boil it down, if you think about what you're doing throughout the course of a day, Almost half of everything you do, you probably you do almost every day. Uh, and it's absolutely important that if you have good habits, you maintain those good habits. And if you're having bad habits, to try to purge them. You know, it's, it, I, I strongly believe winning and losing is contagious. It really is. And I think anybody, everybody has kind of dealt with that sort of an experience. But, uh, you know, having good habits you know, allowing your brain to, to maximize its capabilities by eating better, getting more rest, uh, uh, doing something physical to, to get, uh, you know, yourself feeling better. You know, if you're out of shape and you're tired and you're not feeling good about yourself, well, you know what? I'm telling you, it has a tax back here you don't even realize about, realize. And it's a self-defeatist type thing. And it's important to have confidence uh, and to be relaxed and not to feel stressed. Uh, you know, 
you can't do it all. So if you have certain responsibilities, like in contests for deadlines, set an alarm. It's, you know, there's no excuse. Set your alarms. Uh, you know, make sure you're not betting at the last minute. Develop a good habit of saying, I, I'm not going to be betting after, you know, I'm going to have my action in on Saturday nights or early Sunday mornings. You know, the worst thing you can do is throw in last minute impulse type stuff. Uh, don't be afraid to miss something. You know, just make sure you stick within what works for you. Find out what works for you and stick to it. And when you notice something that doesn't work, you know, purge it. Yeah, this is absolutely fantastic. I feel like I've gone back in time about three and a half years and am having another conversation with the late, great David Molinsky. I know I mentioned him a lot on this show, but so much of what you said uh, really resonates with me from having known him as well and doing what he did at such a high level. I mean, you mentioned getting your rest, eating well, being physically active. And, you know, he was the guy who knew, okay, Friday afternoons, I'm, I'm going to be grinding away and not leave the house again until Monday morning. So some of the best stuff Lotus of Sam had to offer, you know, that was his weekend stock for the refrigerator or during the football off season when there was time to get active and, and get out to, you know, Mount Charleston and go for hikes and be in nature or even when he was in this office, I was fortunate to get a quick glimpse at it. I know he was pretty private when it came to his setup, but he had an elliptical next to his computer and all his monitors so that, you know, he could ensure that he's still getting some sort of workout in, even if he he's in the middle of grinding away. And, and it was just baked into his process because if you're staring at a screen all day and, and just really grinding away at a certain point, you mentioned earlier, diminishing returns. If, if your life isn't well-rounded between relationships with other people, taking care of your physical health, being active, getting rest, eating well, like everything affects everything at a certain point. And, and I just love how you brought that all together. And I have to ask, was the, the audiobook you mentioned, do you know if that was Atomic Habits by James Clear? No, I, no, I think it was, it was called The Power of Habits. Power oh, of okay, habits. cool. Um, but, you know, you know, what you just said made me realize I'm actually focused on trying to, I'm, I'm self-aware. I don't have my act together. I mean, I'm working day and night. I mean, I'm up, I go to sleep. I'm getting four hours or less of sleep a night and I'm working all day, all night. I, I've got no time, none. And somehow I need to, recenter and get better habits going. I'm not doing anything physical. Uh, I'm not eating well. Uh, and it's not good. And so preparation for NFL is not just about gathering facts. It's not about learning about all the divisions. It's not about doing all this work and effort because your effort means nothing. Okay. You can sit there and work day and night and lose money. Your effort means nothing. It, you know, it boils down to the results and you have to put yourself in the best possible uh, position to have positive results. And I know number one priority for me is not information. It is get my head on straight. Even though I'm working hard, I'm putting in the work. It, I don't have the right focus. I don't have the right habits. I need to get back into uh, a, some sort of uh, regular timeline and, uh, uh, expected type of schedule and and just get things started so to speak yeah i really appreciate your openness with all this because a lot of people know i mean when i had adam chernoff on and he's talking about his favorite people to listen to it's like oh of course lvc las vegas chris like a lot of people follow you and respect what you do but it, it doesn't mean that whether it's yourself or anybody else who is 
doing well in the space, it doesn't mean that life is easy all the time and that everybody's habits are in order and, and you know, everything that affects everything else is going great. And that's okay. That's just life. You know, people talk about football being messy compared to, you know, baseball. It's a one-on-one interaction between a batter and a pitcher. It's much tougher to measure the impact of one specific player in football because it's 11 on 11 chaos. Well, life is 11 and 11 chaos on steroids. So it's, it's so refreshing in a sense. I know it's, it's tough for you to be in a spot where things might seem out of whack, but I think it's so valuable for people to understand that, you know, even the most successful people in the space will go through stretches where that happens. It's just called life. So on one hand, I, I'm so appreciative of hearing that. And I'm also, as you say, that reminded of a recent trip I was fortunate to take to Yellowstone to just break away, get off the grid a bit before the season really ramps up. And there was a moment where um, I, I was on a hike over the, the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone. I didn't even know Yellowstone had its own Grand Canyon until recently, but it was the most stunning thing that we saw there. And um, I had one of my favorite beers on me in my backpack and, and just took a quick photo capturing that scene to remind myself that at a certain point, no matter how much work you do, getting out in nature, going for a hike, getting some exercise, sometimes, you know, it's not healthy physically, but taking off the edge and enjoying a good drink or or something that might not benefit you physically, but gives you joy. Those kinds of things can be the optimal way to prepare for a football season or, or anything else in, in life. At a certain point, you do want to put in the work, but once diminishing returns set in, those kinds of moments are also necessary to really unlock your full potential. Yeah. But you know what? Here's the dysfunctional part. I'll give you the dysfunctional side of that is if you're in a good, if you're in good form and everything is going right, something like that could be the worst thing in the world for you. You know, if somebody's like, oh, you're working your ass off, you got to take some time off and, uh, you know, get out of the house when you come join and you really don't want to, and you know, you don't really want to because, you know, you're in the groove. Well, you have to know what's smart for you. And maybe, you know, it's socially wrong to sit there and, and appear like you're just a workaholic and antisocial and this, that, and the other. But, you know, some people would sit there and say at the wrong time in the season, I don't have that time to waste. If I go out there and I look at the most beautiful landscape in the world, the only thing I'm going to be thinking about is that damn computer and these lines moving and this information I'm missing, and I'm going to be twice as stressed. And even when I get back in the cockpit, and I'm trying to catch up. I, I, I'm resentful that I went out there and I took that break. So everything is, is, is different for each person. While that might be healthy for, and, and trust me, I love exactly what you're doing. I get away during the summers normally for 100 days off and I don't do anything and I'm fine with it. Uh, uh, and there's a time and a place for that. But you, you have to know your own mentality enough to not put yourself in dis- disruptive situations. You can't let the wife screaming at you, the kids yelling, the dog barking, uh, the food wasn't cooked right. You can't let these things distract you and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, cause you to react, so to speak, uh, you know, take you out of your flow. Yeah, I'm reminded of uh, another person I was able to speak with who's in this space. Uh, the hitman, a professional better, talked about golfing a lot during the off season. And with the NFL creeping back up, he knows that as much as he enjoys golf, that's going to get put on the back burner. And there's maybe an occasional moment during the season where he feels like he can sneak away. But even when he does, you know, it doesn't matter if he's, you know, on the fairway, having a great day on the golf course, that's, that's still in the back of his mind, you know, the line movement, the things he's missing, as you said. So it's really important to pick your spots 
And it's not to say that, you know, when we're gearing up for, you know, the first full board of the season or, you know, Super Bowl props are available, that's that's often not the time for a lot of betters to back away and take a, a mental health break. Sometimes you do just have to roll through it and, you know, make hay while the sun shines, so to speak. But to your point, everybody operates a little bit differently. And if you can pick your spots, um, you know, there's there's a time and a place for everybody to break away. And for some people, it's it's not for as much time as others. But as long as it's not a binary on-off switch, I think finding, you know, your right group within that spectrum can really make all the difference in the long run. Well, and, and, and everybody's going to be different. And it, there had to have been at least four weeks where I did not know the results of the second group of games until Monday morning. So I, I just, for whatever reason, I had enough, you know, probably started most of those weeks just started off bad. I don't, I just can't deal with it. And I, I just going to, you know, Calgon, take me away. I'm going to relax. And I just tune it all off. I purposely avoid channels that could possibly pop up a score because I want to be mentally prepared for when I, I, I can't handle any more bad news right then and there, if that makes any sense. And so, yeah, I, there's, there's often times when, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. I don't even watch the end of the first games. I have no idea how those ended even sometimes until Monday morning. So you just have to do what's right for you and you have to be cognizant of what might be smart. I've had enough. I don't want to deal with it. I'm not obligated to know the score right now. Maybe it's a mojo thing. Maybe it's a karma thing. Maybe it's a superstition. You know, maybe, you know, good things happen if I, if I, it'll percolate my way if I just don't know the score. You, you don't know. Yeah, I know sometimes I'll find myself if I want to know the score of a game, it's well, last time I looked at this odd screen, I had a favorable result, so I'll go back there. Or oh no, last time I looked on the ESPN app, it was losing, so I'm not gonna open that as if that has any impact. Exactly. But this is all such an evolving art and science, and it's a different feeling out process for everybody. And once again, I just really appreciate your candor with all this because no matter how far along someone is or how much success that they've had, it's it's always a learning experience for all of us at all times. So I, I think that we'll be hard pressed to follow up on a better note than that. But Chris, I know you're pressed for time preparing for the season and, and handling all of life's other obligations. I'm so thankful for your time today. I want to encourage everybody to follow you on Twitter at Las Vegas, Chris, that's C R I S. And like I said, to Scott, I'll say it to you. I'm really looking forward to maximizing the value that we can provide our audience via the bet us NFL show and I'm also hoping that we can maybe enjoy a drink together in Vegas sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I, I look forward to that. I really do. And I, I want to say I really appreciate how well you're doing on the show. I, I, I really enjoyed your podcasts uh, all along. And it was, it's just really funny how we ended up uh, on, on, the same, on the same project together. And uh, I, I mean, you're an annoying son of a gun because you, you never follow anything up. Uh, and I'm jealous. But uh, uh you know, the point of the matter is you're pretty good at what you do. Uh, thank you. It means the world to hear that from somebody like you. I've I've also been following what you've been up to from afar. And, and yeah, to have our worlds come together like this, it's been surreal for me. It's a joy to work with you as well as Scott. And uh, I really appreciate that feedback because in my own mind, every time we're recording something, you know, every sentence, there's something I can do better. But at a certain point, you just got to let it go. Things can always be improved upon, but you know, we just got to make the best we can with what lies ahead. And I'm really looking forward to what lies ahead for you, myself and Scott with our show this season. And once again, Chris, thank you so much. We'll chat again soon. Cheers. Goodbye. 
Thanks again to Chris. If you enjoyed our conversation, the number one way you can support Props and Hops is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. A close second would be to check out the new BetUS NFL show that Chris, NFL handicapper Scott Kellen, and myself are doing together. We've got the AFC North preview coming your way today. You can check it out via the YouTube and podcast links in the show notes. And if you'd be interested in a real-time conversation with me and the Dimers.com community of more than 1,100 fellow bettors and counting, join us for free on Discord. I've also dropped a link to that in the show notes. And that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again soon with some bonus bite-sized interviews with some of the best bettors in the game from Jersey City, where I'll be attending Bet Bash, hosted by Spanky. Until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well. Mm-hmm.